That's good. Hey, you know, some of these concepts are very simple in nature, but they're very difficult to execute on. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is what I was going to say to you. So, Because the, the opposite of accepting it is it becomes a major stressor. You and I both, before we arrived on the road that led us to at least mm-hmm. trying to accept stress at our table or uh, fear at our table, stress lived in that space. Before you got there, how would you deal with when you were in stressful moments? Like mm-hmm. Not very well, um, unsurprisingly. Uh, so I had a lot of uh, family challenges and some health issues growing up, and and it caused sort of an underlying propensity for stress and anxiety. It carried over into my adult life, starting up the business with my best friend. Uh, got married very early, just a year after we started the business. Had our first kid. Uh, a couple years later, our son, William. And uh, so within four years, started a business, married, child, no money, was actually huh. living with my father and my wife um, just prior to having our son. So it was, you know, it just, I wasn't in a great place. Quite frankly, I really didn't know how to deal with it. I was searching uh, around about 2004. We ended up selling our company uh, to the company that you worked for. That was the first time in my life pretty much outside of a little job here, a little job there that I was employed by another person and I wasn't used to it. It was a bigger company. Things didn't move fast. You know, we were racing out of the gates with all kinds of ideas and initiatives and things we wanted to do. And we ran into a lot of roadblocks, which was frustrating. We were we lost control of our schedules. I don't know if you had this happen as much as I did, but I, I remember vividly on numerous occasions, phone calls where they would say, hey, we, we need you down the place, the headquarters is in Florida. And they would say, we need you down in Florida in two days. And I just say, <laughs> two days? Like, right? yeah. My son has a soccer game. Yeah. Like, what Drop are you talking Yeah, sorry. We need you Drop down. Everybody's got to be there, you know? And, um, so I found myself literally eight months into this three-year employment contract, like kind of at the verge of, of uh, you know, my breaking point. And I, I was, there was a moment where I was really upset. Uh, I was on the verge of tears. And one thing I had read about in terms of something that might be useful was meditation. I remembered the article that I read. I remember sort of kind of how they say you kind of go about doing it in the article. Yeah, but I didn't have it with me or anything like that. I just kind of thought to myself, well, maybe... I should go try this meditation thing or something. I'm just going to go sit in this chair across the room. And I set my timer for five minutes and just sit there and be quiet and breathe in and breathe out. And, and that's what I did. And, and ultimately, I ended up feeling better. My problems did, definitely did not go away. You know, the frustrations were exactly the same. But I just felt like calmer headed and I felt better able to move on with my day. And I thought, wow, that's nuts. I just sat in a chair for five minutes. And, you know, essentially, I guess I just was like calming myself down or what. I don't really know. And so uh, I got very interested in maybe what the, in the idea that this could be useful, this, this meditation idea. And uh, so I started to research a bit and I started to learn how to do it. And I ended up taking it on as a, a regular part of my routine every day. Now it's twice a day. And I've been doing that since 2005. It's been a journey and it will continue to be my entire life. This isn't like a magic pill. It's something that is an extremely useful tool for me. And I know it to be for many others, maybe not everybody. But the important thing that I like to share with people in terms of sort of demystifying the idea around it is that it is a practice, just like if you are into sports, you shoot, you know, a hundred free throws or you hit a 
a bunch of bunker shots in, in, in uh, golf or, you know, whatever it is that you can relate to actually practicing. And that's what this is. You're looking to be able to choose your reaction more appropriately in, in that moment between stimulus and response and realize what's really mattering most in your life. So when you're getting all caught up in the X, Y, Z, because the client will, or the prospect will call you back and they gave you a verbal, but they, and you, they've had the contract for 45 days and they haven't signed it and they're yeah. such jerks or whatever, that's your reality. Okay, right. There's another reality on the other side to it, whatever that is, but it's your ability to choose that reaction and your ability essentially to choose your happiness and you get to choose if you want to work yourself up about it or you want to still show up and work hard to get the deal done or move on and make that a choice too i mean you have all kinds of choices no one's in your way but you right it's not the guy with the contract it's you this meditation practice uh, can be useful in helping you recognize those feelings very quickly and allowing you to set the right course for yourself in a really in more of a healthy way. What it doesn't do is is give you uh, this Zen feeling when you're right. sitting and meditating and you're floating in the air and everything's you know wonderful and it's happened, it, it happens, but that really isn't what it is. Again, it's practicing. So it's the hard part that you put into play when the game's going on, you know, and you're in the mix, that's when you go, oh, wow, I reacted really well there. I handled that excellent. And I didn't used to do that. Now I'm noticing. Right. Interesting. So just like anything else, whatever you're committing frequency and repetition to is what you really care about. Secondarily, just like other ways that you healthily deal with stress, the fact that you know that you have it there waiting for you, even if you don't have it available to you at that very moment, if you're in the middle of a very contentious discussion, you can't just take a time out and go run in the corner and sit for five minutes and then come back. But what you can do is say, I recognize I'm in a very stressful situation and I'm going to compartmentalize that until I can get to the place that I can release that where I'm healthily able to do it. And knowing that that's in there for you oftentimes is the difference between needing to react to what's happened in the moment, which almost never works to your benefit, or taking it, acknowledging it, putting it right there next to you and saying, you're going to come along with me for the rest of this ride, and we're going to deal with you when the time is right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? One of the things that I believe is very useful about uh, simply sitting in a chair and allowing your thoughts to float around non-judgmentally and not trying to eliminate them really all you're doing in in this type of meditation is you're trying to become aware that I'm thinking and then bringing your focus back onto your breath and breathing in and breathing out. And breathing is something we just take for granted. You and I have been doing it for as long as we've been on this discussion together and we haven't thought about it once. Uh, At least I haven't until just now. And now I'm really grateful that I'm breathing because when I'm not, it's pretty painful, right? Right. And then when we can't breathe, we're pretty upset. And so that's all we're doing. So it's a time where we're not striving. It's a time where we're not moving, which for many of us is very difficult. And, and that's actually one of the lessons is stillness. Uh, because we are a very active society, our brains are wired in a certain way for stimulus, and um, and we crave it. Our our brains and our bodies crave 
all that. And so we're taking ourselves outside of our comfort zone by sitting. And it's scary because not only are we out of our comfort zone and our bodies got this craving and our minds have this craving, we are also alone with our thoughts, which is pretty darn scary for a lot of us. And quite frankly, most or not most, many don't want to go there. They don't want whether it be consciously or subconsciously, you know, going into this, they don't want certain thoughts to arise. So they just stay away from it. Right. And we all know at a surface level, that's not healthy. And at, one, at some point, these things are manifesting themselves, whether it be inside of you or otherwise outside of you, where you're outwardly expressing things to as a human in the world in a, in a, more, in a less than pleasant way. You may not realize what's going on deep down, but but it is. So I know maybe I'm getting a little deep for some, maybe not. But, you know, this is why I feel this simple practice of sitting down and breathing in and breathing out. I don't even care from my standpoint, if you call it meditation or whatever you call it. I like you said it was a timeout or as adults. Now, we have our own versions of tantrums. Sometimes they're outward, but usually they're in our heads and they're going on all the time. And yet. Of course, we don't take our own advice because... Um, well, and we're certainly not going to let someone tell us to go calm down in the corner. That, now, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, and usually when that happens, it just lights, it makes, it makes the fire bigger get fight. bigger, right? right? Is take on uh, the, the, cha- the challenge, if it is a challenge for, for, for a person, to, to sit in stillness and be alone with your thoughts and try to work on, you know, allowing them to just float around non-judgmentally, whether you like them or not, whether they're giving you pleasure or pain, and then just remind yourself, oh, I'm thinking back to my breath. And that's that moment that you're starting to become aware. You're practicing awareness. You're waking up. So when you get into the world and you're, you're interacting with other humans, you are awake. You are present and you are aware. And that's the big difference maker. And I got to tell you, I think in sales, people pick up on authenticity. And when you are uh, the most authentic person that you can be and you're working on that and you're cultivating that day in and day out, you're going to start to see a shift in your customer and your prospect base. They are going to react to you in different ways. And I, you will see it. It's going to take some time. It's going to take a commitment, but you're going to start to see a difference. You know what that difference is going to make. It's going to make you ultimately you know, be at the top of your craft. I have to jump in here for a second. This sure. Is, I, I love that you turned it back into a sales mantra because that, gosh, is that true? So um, in the discussions that we, I, I, went in, I went to go speak and we were talking about the fact that once you connect and, you, and you've become awake and you know exactly what, why it is you're doing what you're doing. I, I, I stopped trying to convince people to do business with me like two years ago. I want people to be compelled to do business with me. And if I'm spending all of my energy on um, trying to be persuasive, I'm not investing any time in being compelling. This is two very different things. Mm-hmm. And persuasion is a relic of when you and I were starting out in our sales career. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that there isn't the way to, a way to be persuasive today. Sure. But it's more brand building. And for an average salesperson to be a brand builder is a very difficult, time-consuming an expensive endeavor, it's far easier to be authentic mm-hmm. and be compelling. And it's easier and probably a lot less expensive. And you'll probably feel better about yourself at the end if you make that choice, right? So when you're watching someone employ persuasion, it's so obvious now. 
Yeah. By virtue. Another trait that comes to mind that I've seen in salespeople, this idea where you're sitting in a chair on a on a pillow and just breathing in and breathing out, where this can be useful is awareness of talking. I've noticed that sometimes salespeople are excellent talkers. They like to talk, and which means they aren't always the best listeners. And going deep inside and saying to myself, is this an 80-20 proposition? I'm listening 80, I'm talking 20. It's all about them. It's maybe a little bit about me because I wanna connect, I'm human. And I think it's cool to do that, you should. But you know, when you can pick up on like, whoa, hold on a second, I'm talking a lot. I'm, I'm on talking mode right now. That's awareness. You're yeah. cultivating that. You know, you're showing up. You go on the road and you speak about this topic. You produce a extraordinarily good podcast on oh, this topic. People in our space frequently want to argue that podcasts need to be short and yours are not short. So I will <laughs> I will caution the listeners that they while they are not short. They're very, very valuable and the unique and different perspectives that you get from your guests are very, very good. And um, uh, wrote a book and now you even lead people up into the mountains for four days of complete and utter silence. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So so talk about that. Okay. So uh, I started, I learned that going on a retreat and being in silence for periods of time may also be useful. (laughs) And quite frankly, I was scared to death to do it. So the first time I did it, I went for one day and I thought, wow, that wasn't really as hard as I thought it would be. And so I tried the next step, which for me was a seven-day retreat. And I finished that retreat and I just felt in a space uh, that I hadn't ever been before. Now, I I don't want to say like I was in the clouds or anything like that. It wasn't that kind of thing. I just felt uh, very clear and a little bit more peaceful. And I also felt that it helped my daily meditation practice, uh, it enhanced it. Essentially, by sitting and meditating, not all day long, nonstop, that's not really what happens, um, but you really start to notice and feel certain things. Like you start to feel what matters most versus just knowing what matters most. So when you're getting caught up, you have a feeling like this doesn't really matter most. Mm. Why am I getting so caught up about this? Mm. So that, that's how I like to describe it. And uh, so I started doing them twice a year. And after one of them, uh, somebody said to me, you know, what they were oftentimes people curious. And, and somebody said, you know, what do you do on these retreats? Like sit around, do nothing. And I was like, oh my God, that'd be a hilarious name for a book. And he goes, that would be, and you should actually write one. I'm telling you, I think other leaders might be interested in this. And so that's kind of how the book came, came about. And my whole goal in the book was to uh, demystify as you and I are doing now and, um, and then share a bit about my journey. So maybe it could be relatable to, to somebody. And then I share uh, other leaders' journeys, you know, very high performing uh, people in this world who have a regular meditation practice and, and go on silent retreats. And so um, they, they're in the book as well. From there, I had another retreat. I came back. I had a difficult situation I was dealing with, and I handled it pretty well. And I thought to myself, wow, I handled that pretty well, actually. I'm kind of proud of myself. And, <laughs> and uh, these retreats are really, they are really helping me. Uh-huh. And I said, you know, 
I'm a better leader. I really think, I thought to myself, I really am a better leader. It doesn't mean I'm a great leader. It's just I'm better than I was, you know, I'm just better than I was. <laughs> improvement, and, improvement. Yeah, right. I'm just moving forward, you know, and I thought maybe this would be useful for other leaders. And so I went out to a bunch of people that I've known who are leaders, entrepreneurs, executives, nonprofits, profits, and I started to ask them, you know, if I put together a retreat like this, you know, would you go? How long could you go for? What do you think? So on and so forth. And through all my discovery, I I, picked, I was able to kind of hone in on a on a, a finite amount of time, a really good location that made sense for proximity for people around the world. And um, so this is our second year hosting it and um, April of each year. And uh, it, it's it, to every person that attended it was a um a really special um experience for them uh down to the last person you know it exceeded every single person's expectations and it doesn't surprise me mm-hmm. because <clears throat> just getting away and and uh having all that stimuli kind of um not become, yeah or not becoming at us i mean it's right. hard to keep up with all of it just that in itself um, is, is really powerful. But um, so, yeah, thank you for asking. And, and yes, the do nothing leadership retreat is, uh, I hope something that will continue on for many years to come. Uh, you, you said now you've given, this will be your, your third that you've led or your second that you've led? This will be my second. Yep. Second that you led. Yep. And obviously no one's talking, so you don't get to understand what people are feeling and thinking in that moment because they're not allowed to outwardly communicate it to you unless you're writing notes or something. What feedback have you been able to get? What have you been able to get post-event from attendees that reinforces what, what it is that you feel like you're doing? So first of all, there is some talking. There's only a day and a half only. I mean, for some, this is a lifetime, but a right, day and right. a half of silence. Um, and, and during this time, you're not just sitting and, and focusing on your breath. We do uh, mindful walking. So there's walking meditation. Um, there's also some movement because that's important when you're, when you're sitting uh, for a bit of time during the day. So, you know, you could do Tai Chi, you could do yoga, you could just do stretches, or you could just take a nap. A lot of people, they're just so exhausted with life. They just fall asleep. Right. And that's just because they're exhausted, you know, right. so go, go for it. Yeah. Um, we pay attention to the food in a different way. Food becomes very interesting, um, much more vivid, uh, nature as well. Um, feedback from people are all of those things, um, you know, noticing really your the a heightened awareness of things in life uh, in a way that becomes um, sort of eye opening, like, wow, that's right. This is life. Yeah. This is the vividness of life. And so what's great about doing a retreat annually or a couple of times a year um, is that it, it does remind you of that feeling, like I was saying before. So when you're out and about, um, you start to notice things in different ways. Right. And, uh, and and that's what it's cultivating. Is, is, and that's the feedback that we received last year. And I'm confident that we will continue to receive. And when I go on my retreats, that's always the feedback sure. um, that, that I hear. One other thing I always like to share is that during silence, it's really remarkable how you get to know people. Just their energy, just their motions, just their habits, because you're so aware. You're like at a heightened awareness that you aren't normally at. 
Yeah. And, and so when you're done with the retreat, there could be somebody across the room that you kind of were looking at and you like, you want to go up to them and be like, yeah, I know. Like, like you just pick up where you left off, but you didn't leave off anywhere. You don't even know their name. It's nuts. And so that happens very often. And, and what's really cool about that as it relates to sales is that when you can start to pick up uh, when you have a stronger awareness on things, you start to pick up on cues from people. Right. And those cues are obviously extremely useful to help you do the right thing for the prospect or the customer. Yeah. Um, and, and we don't, we sort of get a little numb to cues because just because we're not paying attention, it's so busy. Um, but when you're able to take that time, you start to re like that, that skill that you have inside of you starts to come back out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, nonverbal clues oftentimes are far more valuable than what you're being told because that is right on verbal cues can be manipulated nonverbal ones it's far more difficult for the person to do so. it's so true in using it authentically i mean this isn't some sort of technique no, you no. Know, so you can close the deal it's, no, it's, i recognize you- you're apprehensive about what i just said can we talk a little bit more about yeah right? Like, I don't want to move along onto the next thing because I clearly sense that you're not good with what I just said. Yes. So let's just take a minute right here and let's talk about that so that if there's nothing else for us to talk about, then I'm not going to waste my time, right? <laughs> so, you're so on it. You're so sure. on it. Yeah. As we offer our advice to those out there who perhaps are sitting in their car listening to what we have to say and saying, well, gosh, that sounds like where I am right this very moment. And those guys... Uh, Rob's really got it. Roger maybe has a little bit of it. Rob seems to have figured a lot of this out. What advice would you give to that person sitting in that seat from your perspective now, having been that exact same person? Well, I appreciate your kind words. I have a lot to figure out and I I appreciate what you're saying, but um, I think that uh, you start somewhere and uh, you try some things and whatever clicks for you, it clicks. We're all on our own personal journey. Uh, so I'm not here to say that, you know, what I'm doing is the thing. It's the thing that works for me. Um, it seems to uh, at this point in time in my life or in this past number of years. And um, but the search for each and every one of us is what's really critical. Don't ever relent on that. Don't give up. Keep searching and finding the things that help you show up and be the best person that you can be authentically and vulnerably um, in this world. And so I guess that that's the thing that comes to mind for me, Roger. There's a, another member of our industry who um, is very visible. He and I were, we were sitting, he's about the same age as me. We were sitting at a bar not too long ago and we were both in the middle of what was a really difficult grind of this, of the year. And we were both sitting at the bar having a drink. He said, you know, historically, you and I would just sit here and drink until we couldn't think anymore. We would go upstairs, pass out, and be completely awful and no good to anyone tomorrow. And he said, and you know, I've been trying to figure out other ways. And he started telling me about, you know, his attempts at trying to do this. And it was the most meaningful conversation I'd had with a peer in a really long time because most of us are trying something, but none of, I shouldn't say that, not, not many of us are trying things. Few of us are willing to talk about it. And whether it is therapy, which a lot of people find to be enormously embarrassing to admit that they're doing or mindfulness or whatever. If you're, everyone's trying something. And if it's, I'm trying to get drunk at the bar, there's a bunch of people doing that too. 
So knowing that that doesn't have to be the only answer anymore is half the battle. And then being willing to talk with one another about how each of us are trying to approach that is another big step in the process. And then to me, I think, you know, kind of like what you're doing and who knows, maybe there's a promotional products, do nothing retreat someday where I get a bunch of people from my space and we all go do that together with you Mm -hmm. because I know there's a number of us together that are working on these things and the fact that we're willing to start having the conversation and so much that I'm like podcasting it with you here to be able to, to have other people understand that like, this is important and how things are societally now to me make it almost imperative that as a salesperson or a person period really, but anyone who's trying to achieve a level of equilibrium in their lives, regardless of what it is that they're doing, you know, this is, it may not be the only way, but it certainly should be one to consider. So yeah, I, Rob, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for having me. You're, you're a blast to talk to and you're, yep. you're a thinker and I appreciate that about you.